You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Curtain up theater people and welcome to a special series of your program is your ticket. Coming to you from Midtown Manhattan, right in the middle of Broadway. My name is Sean Chandler and I'll be your host. Your program is your ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, your program is your ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater in smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. I love theater and see as much as I can wherever I go. During the travels of the production of my husband and my play, After Flash, I've met many wonderful people from all over the world in the theater community, and it is my honor to bring them on as guests to the show. Tonight's show is part nine of a special series of interviews for the 2018 Frigid Festival here in New York City. Founded in 2007, Frigid is an open and uncensored theater festival that gives artists an opportunity to let their ingenuity thrive in a venue that values freedom of expression and artistic determination. I recently had the honor of sitting down with a superb, passionate artist within the Frigid Festival to speak with them about their individual shows, their wonderful experience with Frigid Festival, and their overall thoughts on theater itself. My guests on this episode are Nikki Nasralla from Nikki's Solo Improvised Musical and Maylisa Smith from The Magician's Assistant. Two very different solo shows, the first being a completely improvised musical created primarily by the audience, and the second asking the question, what happens when the magician gets too sick to perform? How fun are these two? Quick note, as you listen, you may hear some minor differences in audio. These interviews were recorded at separate times and locations. Not that that takes any of the enjoyment out of the experience of these fabulous artists, just letting you know in case the sound feels different from one interview to the other. So, folks, without further ado, please enjoy interviews with Nikki Nasrallah from Nikki's Solo Improvised Musical and May Lisa Smith from The Magician's Assistant. Folks, please welcome to the show Nikki Nasrallah from Nikki's Solo Improvised Musical. Hey, thank you for having me. <laughs> welcome to your program is your ticket. It's it's great to have you here. Uh, tell our audiences about Nikki's Solo Improvised Musical. Musical, because that's a lot in one title. It is a lot in one title, and it's exactly what it says it is. So it's me alone on stage, except I have a musical director, so there's someone on a piano playing music for me. Helpful. That's right. (laughs) I can't do it without him. Uh, His name's James Russian. He's really uh, an amazing, amazing, not only musician, but musical improviser. He's so good at giving me offers while I'm on stage. So it is an improvised musical, so I make everything up on the spot. 
I will come out and talk to the audience. I'll get a location, an occupation, a secret, and the title of the show they're about to see, and then I'll make it all up from there. Wow. Now, yeah. so is this just one person that you go to and say, okay, I want you to answer all of these questions, and then you take the answers to all of their questions, or do you go, okay, location, occupation? That's right. I'm pointing just for everybody out there. I'm pointing <laughs> to various areas of the room. Do you ask each? Absolutely, yeah. So I, I try and vary it up as much as possible. I don't like limiting it to one person. I like to include as many people as possible. So um, I'll ask one person where they grew up. And then when they tell me that, I'll ask them, uh, if I go to your town, what is something I have to see when I go, when I go there? So that's kind of like a little more information for me cool. uh, to play with. And then somebody, I'll ask them what their career is or when they were younger, what did they want to be when they grew up? Okay. I really love that one. And then I'll ask them what's something about your job that you love and what's something that you hate about your job. So I have a little more to draw from that. Then I'll ask somebody else what's a secret or something that's really hard to tell somebody so a bomb I'm going to have to drop later in the show. And then uh, the title of the show is always the hardest one oh, wow. um, to get people to give me something. Last show, somebody gave me Nick. They just gave me my name. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. How did you handle that? I actually made it work. So I made an opening number where I just like sang my name over and over. And I was like, everybody loves Nick. But then the show was not about me at all or about a Nick at all. Because I used uh, all the other information I got. But then at the very end of the show... Um, the person, uh, the character in the show who tied everything together was like, well, I didn't come up with this on my own. I got advice from my friend Nick, and then my closing number was about Nick. And about how Nick, like, makes everything better. <laughs> so, so, Nick, not you, but Nick, the friend of the person in the audience. Right. Is, okay, so you, com- did you, so you completely fictionalized Nick, the friend in the audience. Yes. Just based upon that one little piece of information. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't even think of it till the end of the show. I was like, oh, I have to tie it back into Nick somehow. What am I going to do? And then I just dropped into it and pulled that out. (laughs) That's a cool template. It really is. So do you do one musical per show, or do you Mm -hmm. do a couple of them? So I do one musical per show. Um, There's also a point in the show where I'll come back to the audience to get some advice. So last time I called my therapist, and that was a person in the audience, and I made him give me advice. Uh, sometimes like one time I was in a hospital and I went to a patient and I was like, Hey, you always like have really good talks with me. What's something I can do here? I get like a life motto or something to kind of help me push the story forward and wrap everything up. Uh, but I also have a second format that I go with because I have some special guests performing with me, uh, this festival. So one was on last night and I have a couple more coming up. And when I have a special guest, my format is getting the audience to write down an interesting fact about themselves, and then I'll draw those pieces of paper that they wrote on and just do a character wheel. So I'll just do a monologue into a song, and then a monologue into a song, and it's always something different because I'm using people's interesting facts about themselves. Uh, And I'll get one location of where people would gather. So I've done wedding, I've done funeral, last show was a children's birthday party, So, uh, yeah, I'm pulling from two different formats. Now, do the people that, like, say, you're going to get advice from your therapist, right? Yes, yes. Is that that an audience member? Yes. So so you go out there and say, okay, you're my therapist. I need advice. Yes. And then you just talk to them, and that's that's wild. Now, now, 
tell us about your your training in improv. Mm-hmm. So I started training in improv six years ago. I took my first improv class at Second City in Toronto, which is where I'm from. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, Second City is pretty big in Toronto, especially the training center. There's sure. a million classes you can take. So I took um, their levels. I had a theater background, so they let me skip to level C. You start in level A and you go to level E. Wow. So they let me jump in the middle. Nice. Um, so I did level C, D, and E, and then I auditioned for the conservatory program, and I got in, which is a one-year uh, program where you work on your improv, and then you work on some archive scenes from Second City Past, and then you uh, write your own show. So that was one year, uh, one year of my life back in 2012 and 13. Yeah. And, okay, now... We've got that. Now tell us about your musical theater background. Yes. So musical theater, I studied 15 years ago. I started at Randolph Academy in Toronto. It's an independent uh, musical theater school. It's a diploma program. And uh, yeah, I moved there after film school where I had studied screenwriting. And I listen, I've had a lot of lives. And so, (laughs) yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I did two years of that, of musical theater, and then I, of training, and then I went out in the world. I did a bunch of children's theater. I didn't really find my groove in musical theater, and that's when I turned to comedy and started doing improv. And then through that, I discovered I could combine everything and do musical improv, which has been like the thing that saved my life. I love musical improv so much. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I've I've been fortunate enough to uh, have North Coast. Ah, yes. On the show. Yeah. And they were great. Um, my musical director plays for North Coast. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, they if, if you listen to my show, they do the intro and outro of the show. I was sitting there, and, and I they were like, do you want us to sing your a song about your... I said, yeah, go ahead. And they let me use it yeah. on the show. It's 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 really nice. I've also interviewed um, the neo-futurists here and in Chicago okay. who perform on this stage. I don't know if you're familiar with them. I'm not, uh, no. it's they They have a really cool, cool program. Yeah. Um, but so you just decided, did you just go, you know, I'm just going to combine these two ideas or was there uh, like a moment of epiphany or what happened? Well, when you're training at the second city training center, every semester you do uh, a musical improv unit. Uh, so they'll teach okay. you like, if you've seen who, whose line is it anyway, they, they always have like a musical hoedown or something that they'll throw out. So, um, the teachers over there, a lot of them really love musical improv. So they have a lot of games uh, that I learned and that were so much fun. And then musical scenes are super fun for me. And then um, I ended up joining a musical improv troupe. Uh, so it's called Songbuster, and we perform monthly in Toronto. Wow. And we do uh, an hour-long musical uh, over there. No intermission, just straight through. It's, pre- it's pretty awesome. Like, everything that... In Toronto, there's a lot of musical improv going on, and it's been great. Well, yeah. that has to be a good training ground for you since... They did that once a month, and now you're going to be doing it over the course of, yeah, what, two three weeks, weeks two yeah. weeks, with, um, like, five or six times? Yeah, six so, times, yeah. <laughs> are there any tools that you rely on when you're when you're doing your show? Is there anything that you think about where it's like, okay, I can fall back on this if I need to? For sure, for sure. I actually uh, usually tape my shows and watch them back after each show to be like, where, like, what could I have done differently here? What can I try and do tomorrow that I didn't do here? Uh-huh. So there's always things like, I can always throw in a dance break. If I don't feel like singing, just dance it. And then uh, songs without words. I can, I can play an animal. One time I did a gorilla ballet. People went nuts for that. 
Um, I played a gorilla who was just dancing about. Anyway, it was it was weird. Um, and uh, yeah, just vocalizing, whistling is like a thing I like to pull out. Um, different rhyming schemes. Uh, yeah, and different like plot devices I like to throw out. Wow. Yeah. And you know, and I think that you get that mostly just from doing it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, it's, I would think I would be, I would not be very good at improv. Uh, but, um, I I think you just have to be up there and be on your feet. Oh, absolutely. You have to, you have to just do it. Also, I worked with a director who helped me shape the format. Uh Uh, cause I was like, I need to get this. I was doing it at like a 25 minute run and I was like, I need to get it to an hour. So she really helped me out with setting up structure and she threw me a lot of devices. She was like, try this, try this, try this. You can go into the, she gave me the idea to go into the audience and talk to my therapist and like talk to someone in there. Yeah. Yeah. Now I ask this of every improv group that I, um, interview. Mm. So, uh, I'm one of those people who, when I'm in the audience, I don't like to be approached. I don't like, I like the fourth wall. Right. Um, and you know, Conversely, I always get picked anyways. I don't know. Maybe it's like it's. Do you? I, I always ask. Do you? Do you train to sort of identify who appears to be a little bit more open than other people? No, I don't know. Uh, we don't train in that. I know. I certainly haven't. Um, and Is it a sense that you develop or something, or I you do, guess you so. Not? I've. I think your like the personality of the improviser also helps a lot. Like I think I make people feel comfortable. I'm very conversational when I come into the audience. Like I'm not putting any pressure on anybody. Okay. And if someone isn't giving me uh, anything that I can work with, I'll just move on to somebody else and ask them the same question and see what I can get from them. Well, it's happened hard. before where I went to the audience to talk to someone and they did not speak at all because I think they, they thought they weren't allowed to because it was in the middle of my show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so then I just went to the next person and I was like, how about you? And then he was like, talkie, talkie, talkie. So, right. yeah, so I mean, we, we deal with it on the spot. There's Sometimes you'll think you'll have a great person who just won't have anything to offer and then other times... Uh, I'll approach somebody just because there's not enough people to approach who looks really timid, but then they'll yeah. give me some gold. Well, uh, mostly because I know that the, the the number one rule of improv, the basic number one rule of improv, is never say no. Right. It's, that's that's just what I understand right. of it. And I would think that you'd be out in the audience and you'd have somebody pretty much, maybe not even saying no, but just like no, 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 like giving you the vibe of yeah. no. So um, it's smart that it feels like it's smart that you would have. Uh, those sort of parachutes that you can count on right. that you learned in school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Um, <laughs> tell me about one of the favorite shows that you've done in the past of this this iteration of Nikki Solo improvised musical. Yes. Like I know you've done it more often than here. Yeah. So what was one of your favorite experiences that you did? One of my favorite ones was a show that ran long. So after I finished my show, my, my stage manager, Curtis, was like, you went a mi- an hour and five minutes. Like, you can't do that anymore. So I was like, wow. oh, no. He was just having so much fun on stage. Sure. I, uh, I talked to someone in the audience about where they're from, and it turns out they were from Branson, Missouri, um, as and, and grew up as a Mormon performer, like a performing family on the strip in Branson, Missouri. And so oh, I loaded, went huh? to town oh. with that one. So I played, I played a whole family. I had, I, I had like, I like made them like Von Trapps. I had like six kids. And then I did a love duet where I sang both parts. That's like, it's, I have it on video and I watch it back and that song sticks in my head. 
It's a really beautiful, sweet, heartwarming, but also so funny song. It's just like a girl and a boy. Uh, once she's a Mormon, he's a rebel, and he's trying to convince her to like run away with him. And she's just like, oh, we can't kiss, otherwise I won't get into heaven. And the song, it's just like it stays with me. I love that. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, I've, I had a lot of fun with that show. Now, it, how do you train to create songs on the spot? Because there's there's rhyming, there's yep. a structure, there's the, the you know the, the chorus and the bridge and all of that. Do you, yeah. How long did it take you in training to be able to develop that skill? I think I'm lucky that I have a musical theater background, so I have songs to draw, like structure to draw from. Uh-huh. So I fall into patterns that like I've heard before. Um, but also we, like when you're, when you start training a musical improv, we basically start with rhyming. So we do games like to do run, 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 like I met her on a Tuesday and her name was Jen. Right. And you just rhyme that over and over. Um, so games like that really help with rhyming. I'm still not great at rhyming. When I was singing the song called Nick, I could not think of <laughs> rhymes to go with Nick, which A, there are so many, and B, that's my name. I should have had so many in my back pocket, and I did, didn't. So I actually just sing. Like, I just go for it, and I feed off of the musical director, and uh, I just tap into emotion. Like, I tap into the emotion of what's happening in the story. I, play and tra- I, play, I try and play the truth of the character uh-huh. and just let out what that person is feeling in that moment, and it just kind of takes me away. Uh, talk about the symbiotic relationship that you have to have with your music director. Right. Um, it's funny because the musical director I'm working with, who can't do the last show, so I have another musical director coming in, both of those guys and a third guy all played with me last year, and I had never worked with any of them before. So I had put out a call, because I'd never been to New York as a performer before. So I put out a call online asking for musical directors, and I got uh, two responses. And both those guys I met the day of my first show. And so I did did Halifax Fringe last year, same deal. I got a musical director I'd never met before. The day of our show was when we first met. And they just threw themselves in. And they, like, luckily James has a lot of experience with musical improv, but the other ones don't. But they are trained musicians. So uh, it's a lot of give and take. It's a lot of listening to each other and being very um, uh, open to their offers. James is really great because he'll play me. Like one time I was skipping rocks and he played the skipping rocks. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then yesterday I did a show where I was talking to a, a small child who was in, invisible on stage. And he, what he was doing with the piano was like what the child would have been saying. So like he, he offers me a lot and helps me out. Well, that's got to be fun because with music, typically you're, you know, you are, uh, you're strictly playing what's on, what's being written for you. Yeah. So it's probably yeah. fun to, to bust out of that. But on the other hand, it takes years and years and years to learn music, especially yes. something like piano. And you almost have to like know everything to, to, about music and, mm-hmm. and be able to sight read and all of that to be able to, to do what your music director is doing for you. Right. Yeah. Because that can't be, you can't hesitate on any of that. That's right. It has to be all about creating new material on the spot. Uh Uh-huh, and varying it up and, like, making all the songs completely different so they don't sound like the same thing over and over. And I've been really lucky with the people I've worked with. Everyone I've worked with has just had such a vast musical knowledge and background, and they've been able to pull out and draw from different um, inspirations for me. Now, do you... Are you involved in auditioning that person if the person's new, or are you just saying, I'm auditioning a music director? Nope. No? Nope. They just... I trust them. Because... 
usually they come with a recommendation. If they don't, I'll ask them to send me a sample of like what they do or like their resume, and then I'll be like, okay, whatever, I trust you. Wow. <laughs> I'm very easy to work with, wow. apparently. Well, no, I'm just, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around the scope of what you're doing. Yeah. And it's just so many, you know, because I, I played music for a long time, and, and, it, and it's just so many things. I mean, it's like writing on the fly and uh, the, the musician writing on the fly. And, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed right, right now just thinking about it. <laughs> Jeez, wow. Now you're from, are you from Canada? I am from Canada, okay. yeah. Yeah, I was born in Ottawa and I uh, lived in Toronto for the last 15 years. Okay. Yeah. And are you, um, are you active in the Canadian theater scene above and beyond what you do with your show? Uh, I am in the Canadian improv scene, not so much theater anymore. Okay. I used to do some stuff. Uh, but I never really got my foot off the ground. So in in comedy, I've I've done a lot more. I do comedy and I do drag as well. Okay. So that's I have my hand in a lot of different pots. Is that stand up comedy you're talking about? No, uh, improv and sketch. Okay. I'm in a sketch troupe. Uh, we tour around. We do some fringes and we put on our own shows in Toronto. And uh, I'm in a few mus- uh, improv troupes as well. And I'm also part of the Second City House Company. We perform every Friday. To do, I do a bunch of different things. And you don't have any other time to do anything else? I just don't understand why. <laughs> wow, that's, that's, that's a really heavy-duty workload. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure it, it sounds like you really enjoy it. Yeah, if it's something you love. I used to serve uh, in a restaurant, and I quit that job four years ago with the mandate for myself that I would only do things that I love doing and that are creative. Right. So if comedy doesn't pay me, I take a teaching job, like teaching um, uh, music. I teach a music program for babies, and I teach a dance class, a Beyonce dance class. Wow. Um, Yeah. So I do, and I teach some theater as well to kids. So I keep myself busy with things that I love doing. Excellent. And you said that you were a drag artist as well. Yep. And I'm, I know that all of that music background mm-hmm. and uh, especially improv background yeah. is probably super important. Oh, yeah. Crowd work. In, yeah. in that as well, um, because when people go see a drag show, they expect a drag show. Yes. They want their drag queens to be big and funny and devastating. Absolutely. So, I mean, because I've, I've, I've been to a few myself and, and um, it's not pretty when... Things aren't going well for right. them, and it's kind of a little uncomfortable. But it's also the same thing with improv as well. Absolutely. Oh yes. You oh know. yes. There's so much bad improv out there. Well, and it's. <laughs> it's I mean, and there's. It, it, it goes back and forth, even with the best of companies, because of the fact that there's just. Um, uh, I don't know. the The audience can really sense when, like, the tiniest thing is off. Yeah. Yeah. In improv. Um, and it, it, it's very strange. I, I don't know why, but it's it, it's it, it's like the uh, phenomenon of when you're on when you're watching a play or a show, and the tiniest, littlest, idiotiest, bittiest thing can happen that goes wrong on stage, and you as an audience member are drawn into that. That's yes. all you can see. That's all you can think about. How are they going to recover? Yeah. Um, so it's it's the same thing with improv. It's like how are they going to get themselves out of what feels like a very awkward situation? Yeah. And not intentionally. Wow. So that's okay. There's, there's me, there's, there's, there's Sean's class on improv. Right. It's, it's, that's about all I know. <laughs> it is hard to pull yourself out of a moment like that when things are going, like they're just not hitting. It's really difficult to yeah. turn it around. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And again, that's, that's why I say 
it's a lot of that on your feet training yeah. that that gets you out of it. Yeah. Kind of like being, I guess, a stand-up comedian, you know, you you've just got to do it. Right. And then figure out a way out of it. Wow. Yeah. Well, wow. well, this sounds like a really super fun show. Yeah. And I'm gonna do my best to come see it. Please do. I, I really am. And are you performing uh, here at the Crane, or are you over at... Um, I'm at the Under St. Mark's, Under St. Mark's. Okay. Theater. Yep. Great, great, great yeah. little theater. I've done a show there myself. Yeah, so. it's wonderful. It's a like perfect space for me. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I'm seeing pictures online mm. of your show. It looks it looks really fun. Yeah. It does. Uh, okay, so before we wrap up, can you give our audience your social media information for your show so they know where to go to see stuff and read stuff about it and buy tickets. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can buy tickets to the show at horsetrade.info. Horsetrade.info. Um, I am online on Instagram and on Twitter at Nikki Nasralla, which is my name. Nikki is N-I-C-K-Y. And then Nasralla is N-A-S-R-A-L-L-A-H. So you can find me online there. And then I also have a website, which is thenikkinetwork.com. No Facebook? Uh, yeah, actually, also Facebook. Okay, I'm Facebook. sorry. Thank you. Okay. I just made myself a Facebook page. I keep forgetting about it. It's Nikki Solo Improvised Musical. Well, because because you're you're young, well, younger than I, and and my my niece who's 22 always laughs at me mm-hmm. for having a Facebook page. Oh, She's come like, on! Oh my God, you're so ancient, Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, uh, thank you very much for being with us, Nikki. You've been uh, delightful, and your show sounds super fun. And everyone should go see it. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. It's Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Folks, please welcome to the show Melissa Smith from The Magician's Assistant. Hi, Melissa, and welcome to your program as your ticket. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, Tell our audience about The Magician's Assistant. The Magician's Assistant is a one-person, family-friendly show um, about what happens when the great magician cannot show up for his gig. Okay, I, I'm like envisioning the possibilities already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can can you talk more about it, or is it are there way too many spoilers? No. Well, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but it is on my promotional material that the magician is sick in bed. So, but the show must go on. Right. Yeah, and there are tons of possibilities, and the really fun thing about the show is the audience is such an important part of the show. I say it's a one-person show, but it's really an everybody's involved show. Everyone has to get involved to help the show go on. So every night, every performance might be a little bit different depending on how the audience responds. Now, I'm guessing that you play the magician's assistant, right? That that is true. Okay, okay. I wasn't (laughs) sure if you were playing a character dealing with the magician's assistant. Okay, so Mm -hmm. um, are you doing magic on stage? I do not know magic. No? No. Okay. All right. (laughs) I attempt so much magic, and sometimes there's theater magic. That happens. That's magic. Uh And the magic of laughter, that's magic. But as far as classic sleight of hand or like actual magic magic, Uh I don't know what the technical term for magic magic is, I don't have any of those skills. 
Well, how did you come up with the idea? I love the idea, by the way. Thank you. So I was in a clown workshop years ago uh-huh. and with Kenny Raskin, who's formerly in Cirque du Soleil. And I had really good chemistry with another clown. And we put together this two-person act called The Great Udane and Maymay. And we put together this clown show of a magic act. And I was the bumbling assistant who didn't talk very much, but just made a lot of mistakes and got in the magician's way a lot. And the act went over very well. It was for adults. It was in a bar basement, kind of late night scene. And we kept getting asked to do the show again. And we never could because he was so busy being in the opera. So that's great for him, but it stunk for me. Wow. So so you decided, hey, I'm just going to make the act about the magician's assistant. Yeah, because I really loved the idea. And I started kind of riffing with friends of what if I turn this into a one-person show? And a couple years passed, actually, between that time. And this summer, a friend of mine up at Barnard's Collective gave me the big push. My friend Brittany, shout out to her. She gave me a push and said, hey, do you want to finally make that show you've been talking about? I'll book you some gigs. So she got me some library gigs. And it was the push I needed to finally make the show. And I switched around some of the jokes and turned it into a family-friendly show. So you, you started doing your version of the show, which mm-hmm. is just you, you as a solo show, in libraries? Yes. Talk about that. What was that like? That's been amazing. The first time I performed the show was the first show. I, I didn't do any rehearsals. I had a lot of ideas, and I touched a lot of objects, but I never performed the show for anyone before my big debut, and it was um, on Mount Desert Island, and so many people already know that there are scheduled events at the library. So it was really easy to draw a crowd. And I had a really, really wonderful audience. I had two teenagers from the neighborhood open with the magic act, which was great because, as I mentioned, I don't do magic. And so I totally ripped off that's, their that's tricks. That's smart. Oh, my God, that's so smart. I ripped off their tricks. Rude. The day of the show, I added an extra character because I was trying to figure out how to let the audience understand the rules of engagement. And I I think I mentioned that my assistant character doesn't talk very much. So I came up with this other character of the union guy, who has now become an audience favorite, who opens the show. And I tried it out in front of an audience, and I started learning what the show was and what the audience expected and how the audience would engage with this character. And I did it... I've done it probably at four or five libraries for families, um, for very young audiences, for mixed. The last time I did it at a library, there were babies and there was just, I remember this old musician with a long white beard who just wandered in and came all by himself and he loved it. Wow. (laughs) So it seems to appeal to a very wide range of people. And each time I do the show, I learn something knew about it, which is really exciting. So so you're playing the magician's assistant mm-hmm. now, and you're playing a union representative. Mm-hmm. And then do you all do you also play the magician? Yes. Do, okay. Are there, <laughs> are there any other characters that you play, or is it just the just three? Just those three characters. Oh, okay. Yes. And then the audience is really the fourth character. Talk about that. Yeah, so I studied a lot of improv. I've done improv for years, and my show is a no-shushing show, um, which is told to every audience member as they come in. It's specified in the program, no-shushing. 
because it's so important when the audience pipes in and says anything that the audience gives me, I'm so happy to receive. As a clown, every mistake and everything that happens in the room is a gift. So I consider every peep from the audience, anyone that walks in late, anything that falls, any mistake that happens is a complete gift from the clown gods. And I don't want to stifle any of that energy. So I say it's a no shushing show. And if someone has an impulse to interact with me or tell me something or shout out or anything, it's very welcomed. And it, of course, changes the show every time. That's super smart that you give the audience permission to do that. Um, That way, whoever is who would normally be offended or be like, be quiet or whatever, Mm -hmm. they they they're like, okay, it's they can breathe a sigh of relief that they don't have to monitor the audience. And, right. and you know, because it's still hard for some people. To <laughs> yeah, I would imagine, <laughs> of right? Course, but, but for me, I love it. <laughs> wow. Now you said that you uh, you went to clown school, so you're are you you're a trained clown, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're my second person who's come in here who uh, today that I've interviewed who who uh, is a trained clown who went to clown school. Now tell me about that. What was that like? Oh, wow. So I actually started clowning over 10 years ago Uh as community outreach. Um, To be honest, the first time I went out in community, I did it as a mime because I was too shy and I thought, well, this way I don't have to talk. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was so shy, but I wanted to to do something in um, this like community event. And I realized, oh, people love talking to mimes, and I don't know what I'm doing. I better be a clown so that at least I can use my words. And that's how it started. And every month I would get dressed up. I would kind of futz around with silly clothes and makeup and wigs. And I did that for a while. And then I apprenticed with a local clown. And then I started getting asked to do festivals and parades and parties. And that kind of took off for a while. And... I might have been in high school or college at this point. Mm -hmm. And I studied theater in high school and in college. And that's also in high school, I discovered improv, which was a huge tool in the clowning. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. And I improved all through college and after college. And then I went to a Ringling Brothers audition one day in Coney Island because I didn't read everything that was posted. And I thought I was going to a free workshop. I didn't read the full post, oh, I and love I thought, this. I love free it. workshop, I'm there. Wow. So I take the train to Coney Island. They say, have a one-minute piece ready. I said, oh, I don't have a clown piece. I, that morning, I just grabbed a bunch of hats, put them in my bag, and thought, I'll come up with something. So I get to Coney Island and realize, OMG, this is an audition for Wrangling Brothers. Wow. <laughs> and people were there that had been working on their acts forever had these very polished things and I just have a bag of hats but it was amazing and I was loving it I was getting a lot of really positive attention and feedback from like from the Barnum Bailey family and from news outlets and I didn't understand what was happening to me I got through several rounds of the audition I got to the interview at the interview I welled up with tears just honestly talking about how much children's laughter meant to me and how being able to invoke that would mean so much and just enrich my life and how I felt like I was an agent of joy and laughter and how like this is my calling and I thought oh my gosh I'm gonna join the circus this is amazing this is gonna be my life now and I didn't get in (laughs) 
so I didn't get wow, into the I'm circus. Wow, I'm like hanging on your every word, like, please get into the circus. I didn't get into the circus. So then I applied for a scholarship to go to school with former Ringling Brothers clowns at New York Goofs Clown School. and New York Goofs Clown School? Yes. Um, yes. Which has, I love the name, but I would, I'm sure it's a very serious and disciplined It's very, school. very serious. Right, Very sure. serious business. The couple that runs it used to run Clown College when it existed with mm-hmm. Ringling Brothers Circus. And I wrote this very compelling essay about how I wanted to join the circus. And I thought I maybe needed more training. So I got into clown school. And at the end of clown school, I realized... Oh, I don't want to be on the circus. <laughs> and I gave a really heartfelt thank you and apology to the people who brought me in to help me, help groom me for the circus. And I totally understood and were so supportive. But I realized that I didn't want to do commercial circus, but I still felt the same way about laughter and being an agent of joy. And sure. And kept doing community outreach stuff and kept clowning in other ways. I do a lot of theatrical clowning and things like that. So the training has definitely been so monumental. Right. Beneficial, I'm sure. Absolutely. Wow. Um, But yeah, this is my first full-length clown piece since then. That's awesome. Wow. That's, that's, That's really cool. And I'm sure that they would be so proud of you. Uh, are, are, are any of them coming to the show? I invited the New York Goofs, um, uh-huh. but they're based in Texas. So they they did send really heartfelt congratulations. And um, and it's hopefully someone from the family might be able to make it out to the show. But And or you can take this show to Texas, right? What an idea. Yeah, I, I know, would... right? Like you've never had that idea before, <laughs> oh, right? Oh, wow. gee. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's, it's so great that you're here. Wow. That's, that, that is is really, really cool. Um, I was going to just, just mention, I mentioned this mm-hmm. to the gentleman who told me. He was he had gone through clown school as well. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Baskets. Yes. Oh, I love that show. Yeah. And, and so he hadn't seen it, but I wanted to ask, mm-hmm. is, is Zach Galifianakis' character in mm-hmm. that show... Is it is it an, 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 a relatively authentic portrayal of sort of the struggles that you might have and that because he goes he he had gone to a French clown school right and then he comes out and he's trying to acclimate it to uh, a rodeo right um, is is do you see do you pick it apart or do you just do you say okay that, yeah I can see it it's funny I brought this up in cocktail conversation recently actually oh wow okay. the first time someone introduced it to me it was in. Like, they meant well, of course. And they said, you have to watch the show. You're going to love it. It's about a clown. And I watched it, and I thought, this is so sad. Is this what they think my life is like? Oh, wow. And I was almost offended. Not totally offended, but I sure. thought, they don't understand my life at all. Right. But, and maybe at that time, I was at a much better place in my personal life. But to be honest, life is very hard. And not just for me, like, social, like for everyone. We're all connected in, like, a hard, difficult time. I feel like in the United States and sure. around the world, um, and so there is this sense of despair. And I was going through some hard personal things, and I thought, "Oh, I can't wait to do this show because I know I need a laugh, and I know everyone else needs a laugh." And so, in that way, yes, I do see how it's connected to my life. It's connect- like sort of paralleled to Baskets, uh-huh. where his personal life is mm, not so great, you know. Um, 
and there's a sort of despair in him and he really really wants to be genuine and takes the clowning very very seriously oh yeah absolutely um and i it is serious for me too uh so yes well he 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 portrays the risk that mm-hmm. um uh, perhaps not as much of a I mean, when, when we're seeing clowns in America, we're thinking uh, typically Ringling Brothers, mm-hmm. which are fun clowns and happy clowns usually, um, or we're thinking Cirque du Soleil, mm-hmm. um, which which are also fun and happy clowns, but also they, they deal with some more serious themes. Um, but you really see the serious nature of, of the discipline that goes into it. And the gentleman I was talking to before said that he spent like, like his whole first entire element of school in clown school was making six masks. And I was like, whoa, you just, he's like, that's all I did. No makeup, nothing. I just made masks the, the entire time to help mm-hmm. me to acclimate myself to it. Did you have that exact same? No, we did? definitely had different training, but I know oh, what yeah. he's talking about. Yeah. I would say my, my piece is definitely, um, it's lighter, mm-hmm. um, but there is a vulnerability to the magician's assistant character. Oh. Um, but it's it's got more of that silly thing. You can, If you went, you'd probably be able to see or guess, like, maybe I did train with some circus clowns, although it's very scaled down, especially in under St. Mark's. It's such a small space. It and, is. And yeah. so it's not a big, I don't know, like, three-ring circus or anything like that. So you can't play it the same, or you sh- I don't think I would play the same as if I were in a very large space and in an intimate theater space. Oh yeah, you adjust your levels for that. Right, so yeah. that changes it. But there is there is something about the vulnerability there and the honesty that I hope comes across. Um, yeah, definitely. But also something really silly and, and fun about it throughout the whole time too. Is it tough to play that, um, that balance? No, that's kind of like my life. <laughs> I, I, I think maybe I've been criticized for making jokes um, when maybe it's not the right time to make a joke, you know, in real life. Um, so I think that that maybe doesn't bode well for me when I'm having a serious conversation with a friend, but it does bode really well for me when I'm on stage. Um, because I can feel where the audience is and feel where the energy is going. Right. And I can allow there for allow time for stillness and quiet, um, and maybe a, a little bit of vulnerability from me and the audience, and know when okay now it's the time to break that moment. Right. Well, you said something really interesting uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, one of the questions that I ask on my my regular show is I ask um, my guests to tell me what direction do they think theater is going in? What, what important themes are we experiencing right now? And um, one of the most popular answers I get is, and I get this from like executive directors of serious theater companies, is we're finding that people want to laugh right now. Hmm. They don't necessarily want to go see heavy theater. They want to laugh about, they want to go and have a good time. And relax, and um, so it, it sounds like that's also the experience you're getting from audiences and people as you talk about the show. Um, and is is 
Does that add to the pressure to be funnier or? <laughs> um, no, I honestly don't feel pressure to be funny. I don't. I think that I have a good premise and. It sounds great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't, before the show, I go over my outline for the show, like my roadmap for um, like where, you know, the points along the, the way, what needs to happen in the show. But other than that, I just try to focus and like become really aware and loosen up my body. But I'm not, no, being funny is not something that I'm thinking about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I hope that I just let the audience have a space to be comfortable and like, let loose. And then we can see what happens from there. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Wow. It sounds like you're, uh, which is really, really smart. I always think it's always best when you're walking into a theater if you I think I think a smart theater creator whether it's a director actor whoever is going to create the environment as the audience is walking in the door you know before they even see anybody on stage mm-hmm. you know they're they're um, they're feeling exactly what they need to be feeling I think sometimes people miss out on on that when they're trying to produce a show it sounds like that's really important to you because uh, it sets you up for success mm-hmm. too. So, how much of the show is is improvised versus how much is scripted? <laughs> uh, probably about fifty fifty. Oh, okay. Um, when I Smart. handed my tech guy my script, he did not recognize it as a script because <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well. it kind of has bullet points of like this is going to happen, and then something like this. It's like a list of events more so than it is a script. Okay. And at this point, there are lines that I've said before that I think, that worked, I'll say that again if I feel like it, sort of. If it's um, working. If then. it's working, right. yeah, if it feels right, I'll say that thing again. But it's more of a list of events that I know I'll hit, and but I don't know how exactly I'll get there or what will happen when I get there. Oh, wow. That's that's yeah. great, though. It, 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 it Also, your training in improv helps with that, Absolutely. Too. Yeah, that's that's... Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, what a great premise. I'm like really, really super hoping I could make it there to see the show. I'm so. going to do my absolute very best. <laughs> I promise. Um, before we wrap up, can you please give our audience your social information so they know where to uh, learn more about the show, how to get tickets? And I understand that you maybe have added a new show? Yes. Mm-hmm. A date has been added on Saturday the 3rd. Well, I already had a show that evening, but I added a 2.10 performance. Nice. Which will also, it's the same place, also part of Frigid Fest. So I'll have a 2.10 and an 8.50 performance on Saturday, March 3rd. Okay, cool. And I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as at Magic Melly Smith. Awesome. Well, you've been wonderful, and thank you so much. Melissa, for being on the show. We've learned so much about clowning and, and uh, putting together a show and, and um, how to do a magic show 
without magic. I love that. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. It just it just seems like it's it's just ripe for so much humor and fun and vulnerability. And um, so I I wish you continued success in Broken Legs. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Well, thank mm-hmm. you for being with us, Melissa Smith from The Magician's Assistant. Weren't they amazing? Great interviews, and I just know you're going to enjoy the shows. So go see them. You can find information and tickets to all of the 2018 Frigid Festival shows at www.horsetrade.info. Once again, I'd like to thank my guests, Nikki Nasrallah from Nikki's Solo Improvised Musical and Maylisa Smith from The Magician's Assistant. You can find more episodes of Your Program Is Your Ticket at Facebook.com, Your Program Is Your Ticket. I'm on Twitter at, at Program Ticket. The website is YourProgramIsYourTicket.com. I'm also on YouTube. Search me out at Your Program Is Your Ticket. I'm on iTunes and SoundCloud. Rate me and write me a review, and please subscribe. Folks, take a little time to see a show this week, and don't forget to give a smaller show some love. There's lots of theater gems out there. Until our next show, good night, theater people, and Kurt. Your program is your ticket. Your program is your ticket. Your program is your ticket. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.